This is John Verveke. This is Simon Essler. Hi, it's Heather Prozac. This is Tom Luongo. This is Alex Craner. This is Steve Kirsch. This is Dr. Pierre Corey, and you are listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday. I hope everybody's weekend was good. Before we get on to today's show, let's talk a little bit about the episode sponsors. First off, Canadians for Truth. They got an event coming up with Big Red. That's, of course, Chris Barber. That's going to be in Swift Current. All you got to do is go to... uh, um, Go to their Facebook page or CanadiansForTruth.com and you can get uh, tickets to it. Uh, of course, then uh, you, you can check out the latest episodes of Patriot Warrior. That's Theo Fleury's Unstoppable Truth. That's Jamie Soleil. And they were just on stage um, on the 21st with Dallas Alexander. That was their latest Fire and Ice show. So uh, if uh, if you're looking for something to do here coming up in the, in the coming weeks, uh, Big Red... Um, Let's just check it. Let's just take a little uh, look see here and find out what data exactly that is. Saturday, August 12th. Um, Weimark Rink. I'm going to butcher this. Dunham Ave Weimark, Canada. Anyways, there you go. If you're uh, looking to support uh, uh, the big guy, um, you can do that. And Canadians for Truth stepping up as they always do. Prophet River, Clay Smiley, and his team. Uh, of course, they specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America and pride themselves on making this process as easy as possible for all their customers. The team at Profit River does all the appropriate paperwork on both sides of the border and uh, legally gets that firearm into your hand. With things constantly changing, go to the professionals at uh, Profit River. Just go to ProfitRiver.com. They are the major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada. Tyson and Tracy Mitchell with Mitchco Environmental. They're looking for equipment operators. Uh, farming experience is a bonus. Also looking for laborers, seasonal or full-time. If you're uh, in that realm looking for work, go to MitchcoCorp.ca or give them a call, 780-214-4004. Finally, Carly Kloss and the team over at Windsor Plywood, builders of the podcast studio table for everything wood. These are the guys. Deck season is certainly upon us. I tell you what, I'm a little bit pink today from uh, being maybe out on the sun a bit too much. Either way, if you're looking for, uh, uh, you know, decks, mantles, windows, doors, sheds, a podcast studio table, Windsor Plywood, Plywood. Windsor Plywood is where it's at. Now, let's get on the tail of the tape, brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's one of the men who led the Freedom Convoy out to Ottawa. For it, he spent five months in jail. I'm talking about Pat King. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Pat King, and you are listening to me on the Sean Newman Podcast. Well, welcome to the Sean Newman uh, Podcast. Today I'm joined by Patrick King, Mr. Pat King. So, sir, thanks for uh, hopping on this side of things. Thanks for having me, Sean. You know, um, um, when I when I was first in Ottawa, it's it's one of the interviews I was trying. You know, I I I tried to do a whole bunch of interviews, and as the audience knows, I uh, went dark for about a month and a half, and I never got any of the ones I wanted to have. So it didn't really work out my uh, 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 way I wanted it to. But uh, as I'm starting to learn, it always uh, you know it happens when it's supposed to. So appreciate you making some time and being able to do this. Now before we get into anything. Um, you got a fundraiser coming up, so let's talk about that quick, uh, so people know what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
unfortunately, due to my circumstances, we have to do this for fundraising purposes only. All monetary funds will be donated to my lawyer uh, at natasha.calvino at gmail.com. And yeah, we're holding a fundraising event on September 15th, 16th, and 17th in Caroline, Alberta. It's called the Broken Arrow Bulls and Bash, first annual. Uh, the events uh, entails bull riding events, barrel racing events, kids events, as well as we just threw in some bike rodeos. So some Harley Davidson rodeo games will be involved. Uh, we've got a jam-packed weekend full of concerts and live events, uh, along with uh, silent auctions, uh, vendors, food trucks. Uh, it's going to be one heck of a good time. Pre-sale tickets are available at www.brokenarrowbullsandbash.com. You can purchase your tickets online, or you can also purchase tickets at the gate. Uh, once again, this is uh, this uh, interview is uh, for fundraising purposes only. Um, what days did you say for Caroline, Alberta? That'll be September fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth at the Broken, uh, or sorry, at the um, uh, Bighorn Stampede Grounds. It's just located about five miles west of Caroline. Uh, you turn right on Highway 22 at the Clearwater store, and it's about 100 meters up. You can't make, miss it up. Big science. I'll make sure to put the, the website that you rattled off in the show notes. That way people don't have to. They're probably sitting there driving, you know, Pat trying to like, oh, crap. What did he just say? And and we'll make <laughs> yeah. sure I put it in the show notes. That way if people uh, want to support and then go, uh, uh, you know, be a part of that, which, you know, I'm curious, why Caroline? What, is there is that your hometown? Is that just a, a place where you know people? Uh, actually, what it what it entails is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of Ty Northcott. He uh, operated a bull riding event during COVID uh, restrictions, and uh, he held it out there in Caroline um, with uh, a group, big groups of people that showed up. They stood up against these uh, silly laws and, and mandates and bylaw things that happen. So uh, Ty is putting on the bull riding event and that was where he would like to have it. It's a very well established uh, area with shoots uh, and arena and bleachers and set up for big, large group camping events. So this is a camping event. It's a week long or weekend long camping event. So we've got 40 acres of access for trailers and motorhomes and, and all that. So, for venue size, this is why we chose this area. Uh, that's that's uh, yeah, definitely know his story. I think uh, if you were uh, following along with anything COVID at that point in time, that was that was uh, headline news, right? Which it didn't matter which way you fell uh, on the, whether or not it was right or wrong or anything. It was it was that was uh, front page uh, news uh, back then, which seems like a lifetime ago. You know, it's uh, it's funny yeah. How, uh, time has sped up, slowed down, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. It it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and we just found out, sorry to interrupt, but no. we just found out yesterday that uh, due to the stipulations, um, Mr. Northcott had a uh, court case yesterday. And in the court case, they deemed it uh, deemed him guilty. So now it's an even more important process to have this event to help support Ty because he's going to, the verdict's going to come down and they're going to give him a huge slap of fines for what he did and uh it helps him you know promote his bull riding company as well as helps him raise some money for him to cover up all these fines so unfortunately the uh the judicial system has been weaponized against the canadians canadian citizens and we can't fight back we can't win in these courts 
it's a, it's sad. It's a sad day, you know, when uh, when we throw our rights and our freedoms uh, up into in front of the judge, and the judge says, "No, sorry, your rights and freedoms don't matter." What did they find him guilty of? Of of uh, do you do you know that off the top of your head? Pat? I don't know the exact uh, details of what the guilty verdict was, but I do know that the it, it ha- probably had to do with something with having a, an event with a group larger than ten people. Um, similar to the same fines that I received back uh, two years ago when I subpoenaed Dina Hinshaw for uh, my court case. It was for being in a group larger than 10, which is absolutely ridiculous. You could go to a Costco and stand in line with everybody in Costco and have a Costco party, but you couldn't have a, uh, a gathering of people in, in, uh, in rural, outside, outdoors, bull riding event. So unfortunately this is where we're at in our state of uh state of democracy that we have as canadians you know how close are you 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 have your uh trial date set for uh what was it november 27th correct november 27th yeah in ottawa right now we're looking at uh trying to push some motions through to get a change of venue um that's that's free to discuss with regards to my stipulations but uh, there's some things being put in place to get us outside of ottawa due to the bias and prejudice from the citizens of Ottawa. It seems the media, I live rent-free in the media's minds lately, and everything that I do, no matter what, they, uh, they've got to put a story out to make sure that the Ottawa citizens never forget who I am. Well, you're the big bad boogeyman, you know, Pat King. Uh, yeah. You, you know, uh, it, was, um, it was interesting to see, you know, Pat, you weren't this quiet guy back then, right? Like, you still, I mean, you've been muzzled now for... What has it been? A year? Year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. And so, you know, you were never this quiet uh, guy. You know, I went back and watched the Fifth Estate interview, and I was like, you know, it's funny. I kind of remember that being slightly different, um, but I actually thought you handled yourself quite well, uh, considering, you know, uh, what, what they tried to pin you on on these certain things, and, and, and you were one of the few that, uh, you know, went and did it. I, I'm kind of curious, like, did you think that was a good idea at the time? Or were you like, I know exactly what they're going to try and do? I knew, well, that's a exa- perfect segue. Uh, I knew exactly what they were going to do. And I knew how Jillian works. And so I went and did it with a hot mic and a camera, secret camera recording the whole event. So what happened was we sat down for an hour and a half and had some good topics, some good discussions. And I recorded the whole thing. So I have it all on record. And what they did with the interview and how they went about it, they they spun it, obviously, the way they would. We have to show the public what mainstream media does. So I kind of, I have no problems being the guinea pig for people. I'm taking one for the team, for Team Canada again right now. Um, I'm basically on a 10-minute misconduct. uh, It's the way I play it out. But uh, we knew what they were going to do. We knew what they were digging for. We knew what they were going to be asking. Uh, um, that the interview that we had, uh, she didn't know that I was recording it. Uh, they had no clue. So in the actual um, full-on recording, um, it's a whole different scenario what they say. So we're able to show what mainstream media does. We're able to show how they smear it. We're able to show the attacks in the questioning of how they do it. We were able to show how they mute your voice, mute your comments, mute your topics, 
and and only show the narrative that they want to push. So to be honest, I think that was an absolutely successful video that they put out because mine tells a different story. They have a certain demographic of people that they play that video, that, that uh, episode with, and those people buy it hook, line, and sinker. But my audience was 10 times larger than that. And my audience was able to see it because we released it online. We released it on my platform before the fifth estate ever released theirs. So it gave the public the perspective Mm -hmm. of exactly what's going on. And this is why we do what we do. We try and make sure that we get this out there. We get this so the public knows that they are not on your side. They are not telling the truth. And they are, in fact, spinning a a government-funded narrative. I obviously I didn't watch the other one. Where is the other one? Is it is it up right now? Uh, the other one is up on my page. Uh, we have to scroll down really far down to find it. Uh, I can repost it again. I, I can and uh, and I will. I will repost it again. I just have to confirm everything from my lawyer yeah. uh, with what I can and can't post on on. How how because- frustrating has it been to have to run everything through a lawyer? You know, for a guy once again. Uh, not everybody's going to agree with Pat King. I can guarantee it. Um, last time I checked, I don't think everybody has to agree with Pat King, but that's just me. Uh, but for a guy who, you know, made a name for himself for speaking up, speaking out, saying what was on his mind, uh, saying what was on a lot of a lot of minds of a lot of people, to be honest, how hard has it been to uh, have to go? Well, I better talk to the lawyer first before I, you know, uh, decide on something that's as simple as reposting an old video it it's absolutely for me it's it's disheartening it it kills me um i feel that i should be able to in in a democratically free country i should be able to say whatever i want i should be able to have an opinion on things and if i want to voice those opinions i can unfortunately um due to the stipulations that we have we have a government that's basically handcuffing me and muzzling me so when i got to talk to the lawyer um, sometimes I can't get a hold of her. Sometimes she's busy in trial or she's busy working on other cases. It costs money every time I have to talk to them as well. And with my bank accounts frozen still to this day due to the the Mareva injunction and the lawsuit that's open, uh, I don't have those funds to to pay the lawyer. So in all retrospect, when I look at it, it's the most sickening thing I think anything could happen uh, that can happen to any Canadian citizen. This should not happen in this country. We are revered across the globe as one of the freest countries, one of the most nicest people, you know, the most uh, law-abiding and respectful countries in in the world. And and here we are with muzzled citizens, bank accounts frozen, um, and and constant uh, overwatch that uh, they're just waiting to nail you to send you back to jail. Once again, I just got to pitch it. You know, this is for fundraising purposes only. Anybody who wants to donate to my lawyer can can donate to her. It's Natasha, N-A-T-A-S-H-A dot Calvino, C-A-L-V-I-N-H-O at gmail.com. And if you want to purchase tickets for the Broken Arrows Bulls and Bash doc, um, event that we're having, it's www.brokenarrowbullsandbash.com. You want to know something funny? I'm going to yeah. give you something funny. Okay. Uh, in all, I've done 500 plus interviews and I'm, uh, I, I, um, have mimicked Joe Rogan how he started. So no ads mid interview ever because I'm like, you know what? Joe didn't do it. I don't like it. Let me get in the conversation, whatever. So folks, if you want to have an ad 
in the middle of a podcast, basically get your bank accounts frozen, go to jail, and then you can, you know, in order to have Pat on, I'm like, well, I mean, if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. So you are the first person to ever on this podcast, <laughs> as far as I can recall, to have uh, ads uh, during an interview. That's that's a first. Well, but I mean... I, I, I... I'm honored and yet ashamed at the same time. <laughs> I pride myself on that too. You know, on my platforms, I don't have any monetization. Everything that I've done has been grown organically. Um, and and I know Facebook algorithms, they lie and whatever, but my reach is over a million people. And uh, and I've never had to post bo boost a post. I've never had to, you know, monetize my, my site. And I and and I don't like that either. But uh, unfortunately, once no, again, it's 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 funny. Fans. I'm I'm chuckling about it because I'm like, well, I mean, in order to pay the price, you know, I'm like, what is the price to get in the middle of an, a a podcast? At it's like, well, it's jail. It's freezing your bank account. It's like, oh, that's a pretty steep price. Not too many people are going to pay that one. And it's not only jail. It was jailed for five months for mischief. Which, if you're a hardened criminal. You would, you would, uh, and you got caught and found guilty for a mischief. You would serve a maximum of seven days. I served five months dead time for no reason. And also the games that they played, uh, oh, the, the calendar games that they played. Uh, I'm not available on this date. I'm not available on this date, but you're available on this date. Well, I'm not available on this date. And that's what they did. They basically stretched it out playing the calendar. And uh, that's wrong. That's wrong, one hundred percent. Like I said, the judicial system here in Canada has been weaponized against the citizens. Until you're up against that and you're in court and it becomes personal for you, you don't know this. But I would hate to see this happen to anybody in Canada. I would hate to see this happen to any organization that you know spoke up against the government, decided to stand up for their rights and freedoms, and that happened to them. I would, I would be on their side. I'd be supporting them. You know, this isn't right. This is why we spoke up because we knew this was happening. It's, um, you know, uh, every time I think I've uh, hit a new level of like, I've never seen this before. So you talk about the five months in jail. I've had many a listener point out to me the Coots Four uh, that have been in prison ever since. They're uh, on trial currently as we speak, I believe. That's and right. uh, and certainly then I had a, a guy named Martin Armstrong who was put in jail for 12 years in the States. And, you know, and on it, on it goes. And, uh, you know, I this is easy for me to say sitting here as a, as a, as a podcaster, as a journalist, as a media guy. Um, but when I look at it, you, you're going to war with the machine. And the machine is doesn't lose you know like it, it's not prone to losing and so what they did with you and tamara and the coots four and and the list goes on there's this whole list that i'm realizing is there that i had no idea and part of the reason i have no idea is because if if they tell you not to talk or they don't give you an opportunity to talk or you tell you stipulations so you're not allowed to talk then the public just doesn't know what's happening you know i mean certainly there's people that know but overall, majority of people just have gone on with their day and, and aren't worried about it. And as big a name as Pat King was, you know, if they never allow you to talk, people just assume, oh, he's sitting in his house somewhere and, you know, he just got tired of fighting and whatever and, and everything else. And maybe I'm wrong, Pat, but that that's the way I see it. I look at it and I'm just like, they've muzzled a whole bunch of Canadians, whether it's by freezing a bank account, whether it's by saying you can't talk to these people, whether it's by saying you can't be on social media, uh, et cetera, et cetera. These stipulations go on and on and on. And uh, by you losing your voice, that's like your most powerful avenue to let people know what's actually happening. That's right. 
Um, what they did is they basically, our government is exercising and practicing full bore, full on cancel culture. They want to cancel you out just like the lefties do. You know, they, they want to cancel events. They want to cancel things. They canceled my voice, hoping that I would, uh, I've seen some pretty disgusting comments online, you know, hoping I would kill myself, hoping that I would uh, breach and go back to jail. Um, they, they tried to cancel me out, but the one thing they forgot about is Canadians perseverance. We don't give up. We're fighters. We're good, wholesome Canadian people who will not give up. And we're it, history has, has, has showed you that in every battle in every war and every, every situation on a world level, Canada's always riot, risen to the top and, uh, I'm not backing down. I'm not quitting. I'm not going anywhere. And they can continue to hit me left and right as much as they want. It just reiterates and proves my point. Well, tell me a little bit about Pat. You know, I, I was saying to you before uh, we started, um, you know, I, I've done it with some of the biggest names, you know, uh, let's talk COVID, you know, like I, I, I had to, I had to sheepishly, I've gotten over this, but I had to sheepishly go, Robert Malone, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Because most people don't know who you are, which is funny because, you know, he's got millions of views on Rogan and on and on the millions go. And right. Pat, in, in Canada, I, I kind of, not that I, I think it's identical, but I mean, a lot of people know exactly who Pat King is, or at least they think <laughs> they do. And I go, right. I, I would love to hear from you, you know, just a little bit of your background, like, you know, were, were you always this guy or did things happen along the way that pushed you to where Pat King's riding across Canada with a group of other people that were certainly there and standing up to the government and becoming this high profile figure that gets fifth estate interviewing them, trying to construe who exactly you are and what you think and what you mean. And, you know, to the point of your, your, your inciting violence on the prime minister was right. Tell me a little bit of the story of, of, of Pat King. Who, who are you? Where'd you come from? So I was born and raised in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, um, a small little, well, not really small, a city of about 80,000 people, a steel mill, factory town, a lot of uh, industrial resources, mining, lumber, etc. Um, at the age of 18, I decided to go into college at the Sioux, at Sioux College of Applied Arts and Technology to become a millwright because in our community if you have family members that work at the uh, factory or at the at the mill or at the plants um, you automatically grandfathered in as a as a worker and you can get in under family members and go work at the plant so we never really had a secondary education life per se well we always knew that we were just going to raise and go work at the plant um, unfortunately when i turned 18 the plant went on strike they lost all their contracts and 53,000 people were out of a job uh, I looked at it as, wow, holy cow, like, I can't get a job here. What do I do? So uh, a couple buddies of mine, we were young, 18 years old, like I said, and uh, we, we, we went on to, you had to go to the employment insurance office. So we went to the employment insurance office and we looked up jobs in Canada. And it turned out there was 5,000 jobs available in Red Deer, Alberta. So we were like, well, heck, it's eight, we're 18, it's summertime, let's go for a drive. So we decided to drive out to Alberta. Uh, we ended up stopping in Brooks, Alberta first. And uh, we got ourselves jobs at the Lakeside Packers plant at a slaughter plant. We started out there. I progressively moved around uh, up to Red Deer within about two years. Uh, got to Red Deer. I worked in the slaughter plant in Red Deer as well, which is a, a pig plant because I had experience now uh, working in slaughter plants. 
in the cattle industry and in the in the uh, egg industry here in Alberta. And then I quit that job and I started the rigs when I was 19, just about 20 years old. I started the uh, work in the oil and gas industry. I started out as a roughneck. I worked my way up as far as a frontline supervisor over the years. 25 years later, I'm I'm uh, I worked as a uh, flowback specialist, completion specialist uh, in the oil and gas stream, upstream and downstream oil and gas industry. Uh, I ended up having an injury. Uh, I fell off a roof. And I broke my legs pretty bad, and I ended up having to uh, amputate my right leg below the knee. So in doing that, you know, we, once again, as a Canadian, we persevere. We we have a little bit of a, a, a hiccup, and we keep going. So I decided, what else should I do? Um, can't really work the physical labors. I can still supervise out in the bush, and I can still be part of the oil and gas industry. But where can I put my talents to, to best use? So I decided to go back to university. I got myself a three-year degree in occupational health, safety, and environment, of which I graduated with honors. And then I took another degree at the Royal, uh, sorry, at, um, oh, it's slipping my mind right now. This one always, um, oh, crap. The one in Calgary. Uh, Mount Royal? Mount Royal, sorry. I always call it Royal Alexander for some reason. Mount Royal University. And I got myself my degree in organizational behavior understanding the inner workings of organizations and how the mentality is within these organizations. So I got myself a job working in an office, looking after five branches in the United States and three branches here in Canada as the head HSE manager. And uh, while we were doing it, um, I started watching the oil industry started going downhill. And it started to bring me back to a time where I remember as a kid, wait a minute, in Newfoundland, Labrador, all in the Maritimes, they started doing this in the early 80s, destroying their fishing industries and they're, they're making it commercialized, allowing commercial shipping to sit outside of international waters and destroy our fishing industry. And then I thought, hmm, I'm watching what's happening in Ontario and I'm watching what's happening to the factories and to the mills and to the plants and, and the, 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 the mines. They're shutting them all down. Like, what the heck is going on? Like, this is starting to seem very familiar. Then I see the egg industry. I married into a, a farming family, into a dairy farming family, uh, of which I'm divorced now. But I see, I seen them tackling at the at the egg industry, and and did some research. Found out that the average age of a farmer is 43 years old, and the kids aren't picking up the industry. And well, why is that? And I see what they've been doing to the ag industry, outsourcing the wheat boards, um, hiring, uh, raising costs on seeding and stuff, trying to basically destroy the ag industry. Well, then they attack the oil and gas industry. And I know, very familiar with the oil and gas industry, when you start to put everything together, and this comes with my knowledge of organizational behavior and occupational health and safety and environment, that when they start to attack these industries, we had groups that migrated across Canada from all different places, such as the Maritimes, Eastern Canada, Western Canada, to Alberta, because their industries were depleting, because there were no jobs available. So they all moved to Alberta where the work was good, where it was sustainable, where it was, uh, you know, a high paying, high risk, but yet high paying. And people were able to provide a living and they started to attack us out here in the oil and gas industry. And I just started looking into it and going, hey, there's something wrong. What is it that they're actually doing? Well, we start going into Agenda 2030. We start going into Agenda 21. And we start to see what their little sinister plots are. 
and it is the demoralization and the, uh, the the degradation of our industry to cause us to go into a slump, which makes us therefore more uh, more accessible by outside foreign um, investors to purchase up our resources at the lowest bid and basically bankrupt Canada. Now Canada doesn't have its own gross domestic product getting out to market. They're hindering our oil and gas going out to the to tidewater. You got Bill C-48 and C-69 that were put in place back in 2019 when uh, Mr. Fancy Socks decided that uh, they were going to let him be the, the ruler of the, of the regime that we call Canada. So we, we asked ourselves, if the oil and gas industry is Canada's number one GDP, why would you want to hinder it? So we look into Bill C-48 and Bill C-69. Uh, C-69 was the anti-moratorium. I could be wrong on, on these, but they both coincide with each other. It was the anti-pipeline bills and the anti, anti-shipping moratorium. So we look at why an anti-shipping moratorium. What is it within this bill that they, that they want to uh, put in place? What is it? We find out that it's ships in our harbors that are not allowed to get product out and out to market. Well, it's not just any ships. It's our own ships. Our own ships can't unload its pro- offload its product and take it to market. Well, why would you do that? Then we see the anti-pipeline bill. The anti-pipeline bill was no uh, uh, Kinder Morgan owned the TMX pipeline, the Trans Mountain pipeline. Kinder Morgan, after 25 years, had to run this pipeline and, and upgrade it and twin it due to safety concerns and due to safety parameters, because in the oil and gas industry in Canada, we have some of the highest safety standards and environmental standards in the world. So Trudeau decides he's going to buy up the Kinder Morgan pipeline for $400 million. And we're like, what? Why would you buy this when this private sector company is already, they're already mandated that they have to twin this pipeline and upgrade it, but you're going to buy it and then you squash all projects on it. And we're like, what the heck? Here we are eight years later, and it's still not to Tidewater. As much as he said that he was going to get it to, to market, he hasn't. He's, he's handcuffed another industry that is the only industry that's basically keeping this country afloat somewhat. And he's, a, he's directly attacking it. So we have to ask ourselves why. And then we get into the details. We started raising a little bit of a, uh, a noise, and we... In 2019, February 14th, 2019, well, um, a group of us got together and put together a oil and gas convoy to Ottawa, which we were successful. We got to Ottawa in February, I believe it was the 20, the February 20th, 2019. We parked in front of uh, Parliament Hill. Politicians came out. They acknowledged our, our issues. They decided to, you know, hey, man, yeah, this is wrong. We're going to work with you guys. And we left. You know, that's all it took. We showed up. They came out, they talked, uh, and they said, we're, we, we hear your concerns, we'll leave. Now, we get back two days later uh, on, on our journey back home, back to Alberta, and you know what? Our pipelines were temporarily approved. Now, since the time that I've been in jail, actually the success from the 2019 original uh, convoy that we did in 2019, we've, they've deemed that both Bill C-48 and C-69 are unconstitutional. And they're being scrapped. So we were successful in that one. And that's basically where I got my start, uh, where I got my platform. When I started to speak out, I figured, you know what? 
if there's anything I can do to help this country, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to wake up people. I decided my my partner and I we we figured, you know what? Let's let's go around Canada holding town hall meetings. Let's go and 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 inform the public properly on what's going on and the attacks started hitting from there. As soon as they knew what I was talking about, they knew I'm educated, they knew that I'm a family man and that I'm an oil and gas guy, they started to attack. CBC would start attacking, then it would be Antifa starting attacking. And then we've got this organization called Anti-Hate Canada who decided to steal and edit and clip videos on, albeit on a liberal, $45 million liberal budget that Justin Trudeau cut the check for. And we know this and the research is there and everybody knows it's there. Um, They've been doing a smear campaign on me since 2019. I've never given up. I've never stopped. And I will always keep going. But that's in a nutshell, that's how uh, my platform took off. That's how I became a, a, an outspoken political activist in Canada. And uh, the topics that I've discussed and uh, the research that I've brought out and the information that I've brought out, all I'm asking for is sit down at the table, prove me wrong. Not one of them can prove me wrong. Instead, they'd rather call me a racist, which we know that terminology is being overplayed. Um, they decided to call me as everything under the book and uh, saying derogatory comments, slander, defamation of character, libel. This is what they do. They know that you know what you're talking about. They know that you got uh, uh, grounds to stand on for this and they don't want people to know that. So what do they do? They cancel you out. When you first started uh, taking your tour around doing town halls, uh, was there 10 people in the audience or were you getting hundreds of people in the audience? Were you getting laughed out of buildings? Because, like, what year are you talking here that you started? We're talking, uh, we're talking after April. We hit the road April 2019. We started to do tours around Alberta. We were packing the house. We were packing the house. Our first, uh, our first town hall was in Medicine Hat. We held them at the Legions to help support our, our veterans to make sure that whatever the funds that were coming in were going back into our veterans associations. Um, and once they started learning that, that we were doing them in order to help our veterans, well, then they decided to step in and cancel what we were doing with at the Legion. So we started booking hotels, who, conference rooms. Who, who's, who stepped in? Uh, the government. The government put their hands into the Legions and uh, Legion organizations that are funded by government funding said, no, nope, you're not letting these guys take part in in your event uh, or hold these events in your uh, at your establishments then we we started touring around alberta we had great great feedback great presence great attendance at, in alberta and we started to hit the east coast so we started to head towards ontario we did 21 town halls all across ontario starting in thunder bay sault st marie um uh windsor uh arm prior we just hit tons of them all around ontario and the more closer we got to the capital the more harder they started to hit us so next thing you know you got cbc wanting to do interviews that was my first experience with cbc smearing us in 2019 uh, yeah and uh, in april 2019 yeah so we got that first interview with cbc we secretly recorded that one as well and that one got put out on a live feed and everybody got to see what they did um and that's it just snowballed from there I'm very good at making people look stupid. And CBC, you're doing a very good job on it of your own. <laughs> hey, Pat, are you filming us right now? That'd be, I, I, which is totally fine. 
Totally nope. fine. You, hey, folks, I'd just like to point out, Pat's like, ah, this Sean Newman guy ain't so bad. <laughs> no, no, you're good. No, I'm not <laughs> recording nothing like that. Um, I just, I'm trying to get it out there. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's fundraising purposes only. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get this out there so that we can start loading up this event. I've got over $170,000 just in the criminal case alone of bills for my, my, uh, my trial that's coming up November 27th. And I need all the help I can get to get this event off the ground, get my lawyers paid. This doesn't even include the lawsuit, the Mariva injunction that the Ottawa citizens put on us, which is a $400 million lawsuit, which still has my bank accounts frozen. So I can't even do any banking. I got no financial. So your uh, banks, your, your banks, sorry to cut you off. Your banks have been froze out since Ottawa. That's right. Yeah, they were frozen actually before the Emergencies Act even was invoked. They were frozen. Uh, different aspects of my banking, uh, my banking liberties were were frozen uh, on February the eighth, actually, and I wasn't able to receive or send email money transfers. So they they shut me partially down. Then we discussed with the bank. I made a phone call to the bank managers. Told them, hey man, like we've got to get money moving here. And the bank managers like, yeah, absolutely, we'll work with you one hundred percent. And then, bang, in comes this uh, this Mariva injunction, which I'd like to mention is not certified yet by a judge. So it's sitting in idle on a wait till our trials are over. It's not even certified. So I can't even get my bank uh, to release my money on a non-certified judgment. We're, they've, they've had it held for a hundred and, oh, let's see. Uh, they've had it held since for a year and a half. Not only have they had it held, they've holding back my financial, um, you know, my investments. They're holding back my kids' college tuitions that I've invested in over the years. They're holding back. Everybody thinks cryptocurrency is non-governed. They're holding back cryptocurrencies that I have. They've basically shut down any means for me to do any type of financial transactions within the Canadian banking system. Um, they've they've told me and wrote me a letter. Mr. Paul Champ, I want to give you a shout out on this podcast here because Mr. Paul, I like to consider him Paul Chump. Um, he He's acting like overlord. He offered me a letter, gave me a contract, told me, here you go. We'll release funds that were acquired. Uh, we'll, we'll hold funds in escrow that were acquired uh, from January 29th to February 18th of the time of my arrest. We'll hold those funds in escrow because people were donating to me. Um, and we'll hold that and we'll release everything else. Soon as I lawyered up to make sure it was legal, I wanted to make sure that everything was legit. I didn't want to do anything backdoor or get bamboozled in any way. As soon as the lawyer said, "Okay, we approve of this," sign, he pulled it out from underneath me. He pulled the pulled the rug out from under my feet and said, "Nope, we're not going to honor this contract. We're not going to honor this agreement." So my bank accounts are still frozen to this day, all because a lawyer in Ottawa who let let me bring you into a little bit of a a, a little bit of a circle on this. The citizens of Ottawa have their 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 concerns, understandable. But when it comes to the businesses of Ottawa, businesses stayed open, the ones that chose to stay open, and they made record sales. The ones that decided to close didn't close because they wanted to. They closed because the Ottawa Business Association closed them. Not the convoy participants, not anything to do with uh, blockades or what they say were blockades when there was emergency routes. You were there, you seen them. There's emergency routes open for everybody to travel. Uh, people were moving freely around. It was the Ottawa Business Association that shut 
down the businesses. I remember because I was in a hotel and I was trying to rebook my room in the hotel and the hotel manager came up and said, he was so sorry. He's like, Pat, I'm sorry. We made we paid them $6,000 to stay in the hotels for a period of time. Now he's saying, no, we can't honor that. We have to refund you your money. We're being told by the Ottawa Business Association that we have to close down. That's not our fault. Now, why is Paul Champ and his ambulance chasing lawyer team trying to shut down our bank accounts because of their, their restrictions that they put on us? And unfortunately, Mr. Paul Champ is, is feeling uh, very authoritarian. Um, I actually triggered him in the, in the Public Order Emergencies Commission. I triggered him. I thought he was going to start crying. Um, and, and, and I told him, I said, you know what? I hope you feel proud of yourself that you did this because you're denying my kids an education. You're denying my investments to grow. You're actually hurting more, hurting us more and making yourself look like, well, the way you look, um, because you feel tough and you feel like you can, you can do this and it, it's good for your ego and it's good for your business. Unfortunately, it's not. You know, one of the things, uh, I certainly recall about Ottawa was the cooperation that I saw, um, when you talk about the emergency services, uh, like opening up, like I was there when they opened it up. It was like, we need these open. Okay. Out the door, boof. And it was open. Yeah. And for the rest of the time it was open. Yeah. Now, there there might've been some hiccups at times, but overall it was open. You know, it was, it was, um, that part of it was, was like pretty cool to watch happen real time. Honestly, I couldn't believe how quick it happened. And then as far as the businesses go, you know, like I, I just remember the Tim Hortons, um, that place was wall to wall busy all hours yep. of the day. It was cleaner than anything I've ever seen because everybody was so scared stiff. They were going to come in and take a photo of a, uh, a wrapper being left on a table or something that it was like, it was just like ridiculous. You had like 50 people cleaning. I, they probably didn't even need anyone to pour coffee and they still would have had the money sitting there because everybody was tipping. Everybody was paying, you know, and it was just, that was really, um, really wild to watch honestly in real time those are some really fond memories of, of we were mopping there. their floors sean we That's... would mop their floors we'd shovel the walkways we'd we'd clean the garbages out the people really stood up the ones that participated they stood up and they, they showed true canadian spirit and and in doing that and i remember speaking to the to the uh, owner of the shawarma place that was across the road from the ark hotel and he said that thank you, thank you, thank you so much to us because we've been able to cover in just the time that we were there, he's been able to cover all the backdated bills on his rent that he had accumulated over the last two years. He was able to, in one day, cover all those bills. And he thanked us up one side and down the other. Do you know what's happened to him since? No. The Ottawa Business Association has directly attacked him, raised his rent, and raise the taxes on his establishment to try and get him out of there. That's disgusting. All that, because he supported a peaceful, nonviolent demonstration in Ottawa. Yet the Ottawa people say we we welcome we welcome protests all the time, and we have these all the time. Well, why this one in particular? Why are you coming down on your own citizens now for staying open? What kind of what what does that say about? who you are in that in that environment it says that you you know basically do as we tell you or we're going to cancel you out once again full circle back to that cancel culture you know the um i interviewed a um 
a daughter and her mom. This is on the podcast. People can go back and listen to this. This is the the last convoy update I did on that year anniversary of the convoy. And uh, the the daughter's mom was from Iran, and she talked about. Uh, um, she didn't speak a lick of English, so I interviewed the daughter. And basically, they had a business that they weren't allowed to have open. So they were walking around in like minus, what, 30 with a tray of the hottest coffee I've ever had. And they were handing it out to anyone and everyone, and they were just so thankful everyone had come. And I'm like, this is like this is wild, right? Like, yeah. here's a daughter and her mom saying, listen, these people are here. Like, we're falling so far deep into this hole that if we don't. And so it's it's wild to see, like... Uh, you know, when you talk about the Paul Champ and you talk about the business association there trying to clamp down harder and harder on the citizens. And yet I saw everyday citizens, business owners uh, that you're talking about, that I'm um, mentioning, that we're, we're done with it. And we're so happy and thankful to have you there. And yet, you know, you, you go back to the commission and, and the stories they tried um, telling about it was, I don't know, I, I shocking is no longer the word. Uh, Pat, like, you know, it's it's almost a little bit depressing, to be honest, that that's the best they could come up with, you know, with the amount of time and everything else and the amount of people that went there and everything else. And everything was just like was BS, you know, and and everything that everybody saw there for the most part was uh, was, well, the best Canada has to offer. Right. Well, exactly that. You know, they said that the arson happened and it was convoy participants who burnt down uh, an apartment building. And then that was set, found out to be untrue. And they had to redact that in their in their paperwork. Uh, they said that there was, uh, you know, fights down at a homeless shelter. There wasn't a fight at a homeless shelter. They had to redact that comment. But the damage, the media knows what they're doing. They're very smart in what they're doing. And they don't mind as long as they put out the headline and it's, it's a smear headline. And then the small little redaction later uh, that doesn't, that just goes by the wayside. And nobody realizes it. The damage is already done, and they know that, and that's all they were going for. And and it it's disgusting how the me, the the mainstream media establishment can get away with this stuff. And these were all proven facts brought up in the commission. Even the police confirmed it. They said no, that didn't happen. No, there wasn't this happening. No, there wasn't that happening. But it all fall to, fell up. Uh, sorry, it all fell upon deaf ears, and and even the commissioner states that they did not meet the threshold to invoke the emergencies act but i'm gonna deem it okay no matter what like if people can't see the level of corruption in this country the level of cancel culture in this country along with the collusion and the 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 absolute i guess i want to call it their own little click that they were all in how they can manipulate the Canadian citizens. Don't wouldn't you feel anger, frustration that these establishments are allowed to get away with this? No wonder why Canada is in the mess that we're in. And it's it's it all comes down to these these elite groups that think they they don't they're untouchable, and that, that's where we're at. When uh, when they come for you and uh, are putting you in jail alongside, you know, well, not that they were in the same cell as you, they weren't, but uh, or I don't think they were. Um, was that a difficult day, uh, or you know, because like you know, I've I've talked to so many people now that ended up in jail, and I'm like, well, did you like it's not? Did you know you were coming out? Well, no. 
And I mean, and there's a whole bunch that got stuck in there now for, you know, in solitary confinement. And, and, and I'd love to hear your version of it, of exactly what you went through. But the day they come to get you or the day you, uh, you can uh, tell us a story, Pat, was that an easy day, hard day? You know, give us your thoughts uh, on, on the day that uh, you're handed over, you hand yourself over. I actually don't know the, the answer to that. Actually, they swatted me. They had me, uh, they were following us. They had us uh, staked out. They knew where we were at. They knew when I was moving. Um, I had actually made a phone call into the liaison officer because I had seen on the media them smashing windows out and stuff. And I had said, hey, you know what? Like, let me come in and help. Let me get these people off the streets. I want to help. I want to get this over with. I don't want anybody injured. And they swatted me right on the Gatineau power dam. Um, just, uh, I would say, I can't, I'm not sure the direction, but just before the, uh, war memorial or war museum and they swatted us, they, they cornered us, they brought, they grabbed me, they arrested me. When you, when when you, when you say they swatted you, you mean like SWAT came? It was, it was a coordinated effort. Uh, they blocked off the traffic behind us. We saw it in the rear view mirror. Um, we seen them stage two police cars at the Gatineau city limits. And, uh, we saw that they had staged this and I had looked, I remember looking back and I said, that, it's going down guys. They're arresting me. And everybody was in the vehicle. We're like, no, 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 let's just get you out of here. We'll get you out of here, Pat. And we'll, we'll figure this out. And they had two, two officers in, in squad cars on the Ottawa side. And they just pulled right in front of us. They, they, they blocked us in from the front and then they blocked us into the back and then six officers came running to the vehicle and uh, there was no getting away. When I got to jail, they told me what my charge was for mischief. I was like, oh, geez, mischief, no problem. Okay, well, charge me with mischief. Um, I'll be out in 24 hours or, or less. Um, and boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. I got interrogated by two homicide detectives. They, uh, they did their thing. And then I was taken to Ottawa Carleton Detention Center, and there was no signs of me getting out on that weekend. I figured the Monday morning I would be able to get out. Um, Monday morning rolls by. Uh, I can see and feel the tension in the bail room in the bail courtroom um, that they were uh, not looking on my in my favor of releasing me. And then they uh, obviously denied my bail that day. So what happened was. As soon as I got into Ottawa Carleton Detention Center, I got put into a quarantine wing in an isolated uh, in an isolated cell to myself. Uh, I was the lights were left on for 24 hours a day for the first 38 days that I was in there. So I lost all track of time. I got uh, basically harassed. Say, say uh, apologies. Say that again. You were left in a cell by yourself. Lights on for how long? For 38 days. I didn't know what was day or night. I, I lost all sense of direction, lost all sense of time. When did you find out how long it was when you got out of there? Well, I was able to get out every three days. I would get out. They give me an option. And then, and then the option was you can either use the phone. You got 20 minutes to use the phone or you can have a shower. Well, I have a prosthetic leg. I can't stand up in a shower. If you're familiar with that or anybody's seen a movie in a, in a jail, your shower is a stand up metal, metal kind of box. And uh, it's more it's more risk for me to stand there with one leg to have a shower. I could fall, slip, you know, hurt myself really bad. Plus, I also didn't have any phone numbers. I didn't. Ha I who remembers a phone number nowadays? 
these stupid cell numbers, these cell phones hold all and store all of those. We've lost the art of remembering phone numbers. So I was able to get one phone number and I was with my girlfriend and I, and I called her and I told her, start gathering numbers for me so I can start, you know, building a phone book while I was in jail. It wasn't, it was 18 days of the 38 isolated, 18 days until I had a shower. I had a, so a wound on my, my prosthetic that ended up getting infected. They wouldn't treat it. They wouldn't take me to the medical, medical wing. They wouldn't, they wouldn't take me anywhere. So then all of a sudden, they, they decide that, uh, oh, we're going to transfer him. He's past the quarantine. He doesn't have the, the vid. You know, he, he's good to go. They wanted me to stick that thing up my nose, and I refused. So partially the isolation was myself as well. There's no way I was sticking that thing up my nose. Then they decided, well, we're going we're gonna to do him one better. And they shipped me to what's called One Wing. In OCDC, in Ottawa Carleton Detention Center, they shipped me to One Wing, which is the maximum security wing where they put murderers and only murderers. I ended up getting roomed with this one gentleman. Uh, he was a double homicide. And uh, thankfully, he knew who I was. Um, the whole well, the whole jail knew how, who I was. But uh, they were kind of in favor. And, you know, you just stay in your own lane and you don't, don't involve yourself in other people's business. And you just bide your time. After about 32 days in the maximum security wing, um, a couple of the guards started to clue in of what these other guards were doing. And they're like, this isn't right. This guy's in here for a mischief, you guys. Why do you have him housed with murderers? Like, this guy's going to get killed. Or even worse, he could kill somebody else because he's got to defend himself from an attack. So the decision was made to move me down to general population. Uh, it came hold it, there, hold it there for a sec, Pat. Yeah. While you're sitting, you know, you're like, all right, yeah, like I'm just going to recap this for a quick uh, second. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll be out on Monday because you think I only got mischief. And then, you know, it, it not only gets, it, it doesn't end then, it only gets worse to where you're sitting in the, the you know, the convicted felon murderer's ward and you're like, you know, what the heck is going through your mind? I, it's good that they know who you are. It's like, well, at least... At least I'm, I think I'm not going to get uh, shanked in the back because of, you know, who I am. But at the same time, like, what on earth is going through your brain at this point? Because, I mean, in my mind, and uh, forgive me, I, I, I looked at, you know, when I first met you, the first thought that went through my brain, because all I'd ever seen is all your videos. And I've watched a few on the road to Ottawa and everything else. So I'm like, he's actually kind of soft-spoken. Like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Like, I thought you were going to burst through the door, kick the hinges off, walk up, grab my hand, rip my arm out of its socket, say, hey, point me in the direction of the leader and let me go. And instead, you walked in, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not, but I, I was literally surprised. I was like, actually, he was rather, you know, well-mannered, spoken guy. Like, I, I was just, that was kind of my shock of it. Uh, so I fast forward to you being in prison and everything, and I'm going like, as much as I want to sit there and go like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in this ward. I have to assume you were kind of like, what the heck is going on here? Mischief and I'm here? A hundred percent. And it's definitely a targeted incident. And I know that. And I know that they did that to me on purpose. Um, I know that they were trying to break me. They, they were doing their best to try and scare me. They were trying to do their best to intimidate me. I had guards coming up to me when they would transfer me to, to visits and stuff. I had guards telling me, I know where there's no cameras. Let's pull you into where there's no camera and we're going to fight. I want to fight you. You know, um, there was lots of that. 
um, the intimidation that they were trying to do. Uh, wherever it came from, whoever whoever called those shots, uh, it didn't work. You couldn't break me. And uh, I thought for sure that I'm going to be Canada's Julian Assange is how I felt. I felt that I was going to be shipped away to some foreign place, never to be talked to, never to be seen to again. It kicked me in my, I guess, you know, is there post-traumatic stress? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a hard time sleeping at night from it uh, still to this day. I don't know how anybody in my situation wouldn't have a hard time sleeping at night. Um, I, I relive scenarios. I've seen guys get pummeled and I've seen guys actually get beat up really bad. Gross things happen. Um, I should never have been put in that situation. I'm not a criminal. I don't have a violent background. Um, I, and I'm, and I'm an average citizen. They were trying to intentionally cause me to make an incident to do something violent. They needed me to be put into a situation where I would have, where the media would be able to report, Oh, Mr. King was in a violent incident in, in OCDC. They needed that smear campaign. They didn't get it. They didn't get it at all. And once the, the, some of the guards realized what they were actually doing, they started to side on my side as much as they could. And uh, they gave me a little bit more grace um, as, as the harassment came down uh, from the guards. Uh, the prisoners were very understanding. They knew what was going on because they're, they're used to the system. So they saw it firsthand of what was going on with me. And the prisoners themselves were like, this is wrong. What's happening to you? Uh, you shouldn't be in here. And then around the time closer to my my release uh, in, in OCDC, I had to isolate myself because it was just starting to become overwhelming, knowing that I'm going to get out. Possibly these guys are going to take a shot at me, you know, because they know I'm going to be possibly getting out now. Um, somebody's going to want that that title, you know. I'm the one that punched them out or I'm the one that gave them a black eye or whatever. Uh, so I, I took myself away and I isolated myself into what was known as two wing and two wing was right by one wing, but with a little bit more freedom, you got some yard times, uh, and you got some free roam on the range and stuff to walk around. And there, once I came to that range, the respect level came up a lot. People understood that I had been in there for five months. They realized what that was going on and they kind of treated me with a little bit more respect. But also, I was able to isolate myself in my cell and work on my bail hearing a little bit, a little bit better. So, on upon the day of my release, uh, if you see it, you can you can tell that I was weathered. You can see the color in my skin. I was gray. Um, my beard was down below my chest. Um, my hair was ratted. I, I didn't look very well, and that was all I believe intentional. It was uh, the the food was disgusting. The conditions were horrible sleeping on the floor on a one-inch mat, no air conditioning in the facility, never getting any yard time thanks to the uh, mandates that they had. So they said that they didn't have enough staff to allow us out in the yard. Every prisoner has the right to 20 minutes of yard time a day. I went out in the yard in five months, four times. Out of five months. So the conditions were horrible. There's bugs on the floors. There's bugs crawling everywhere. Um, the place was disgusting. It's got to be like if if I had the the ability, I would have that jail torn down. It's so decrepit. It's gross. 
Ugh. Yeah. Just so with it. November 27th looming, you know, and knowing that it isn't like a slam dunk, you walk in, you know, the money's one thing. I mean, that's a hill to climb. Not yeah, once again, sorry, fundraising purposes sure. only, ladies and gentlemen. But, and the thing is, is, is like that's a mountain first and foremost to climb, right? It's it's oh, not a it's not a thousand dollars, right? It's 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 a it's a it's a hill to climb. It's not undoable, as we've seen and have certainly seen out of Canadians, right? It's it's just not. Uh, it certainly can be done. But let's say you know you get past that, then you got this twenty seventh uh, November twenty seventh day looming. Um, knowing that it isn't walk in and they're just like, yeah, this was terrible, Pat. And by the way, you spent way too much time in jail. And for that, we're going to just like, whatever. Uh, knowing that is not the case whatsoever. Um, I don't know. Does it, does it hang over you the 27th or are you just, you know, like excited to be out? I know you got curfew and a whole bunch of other stipulations put on you. Um, but in saying that, like, you know, like what's the 27th, doing i don't know are you excited for it like or are you are you nervous about it or are you a little bit of it, everything the only excitement that i have with regards to the trial coming up on november 27th the only excitement i have is my conditions get dropped i can talk i don't have to have a door knock every night at 10 o'clock uh and i'm allowed to go out past 10 o'clock that's what i'm excited for i'm not excited for how bad the judicial system has been weaponized against me I know what they're going to do. I know what they're 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 trying to do. And like I said, I can't talk about the trial, but let's just put it this way. I'm target number one. I'm political activist number one. I'm political target number one. And they need to make an example of me. But they don't just need to make an example of me. They need to set things in law, in case law, that'll set a precedence for the rest of Canadians. So in the future, when it gets really bad, these laws will be in place where they've found people guilty of that when you, and believe me, it's not over yet, when you start taking to the streets again in the future, um, they're going to just scoop you up because these laws have been put in place and established. This is why the importance of my, my trial is so important to Canada. It's so important to Canadian history because if we do not win this, we're lost. We're gone. You will never get the opportunity again to peaceful protest, peaceful assembly on the street. The second the narrative doesn't match what the government wants, they're going to scoop you up. They're going to lock you up and they're going to do the same thing to you as they did to me, if not worse. Because I know what's coming. I know what the future holds for Canada. It does not look good. It's absolutely bogus what they're trying to do to us. And ladies and gentlemen, if we don't win this, the, the severity of the outcome is going to be a black stain on the history of Canada for the rest of the rest of our existence. It's, it's unfortunate. This is their, their game plan. It's their narrative. It's what they want. They've always wanted to do. And uh, like I said, we took one for the team. I'm sitting on a 10 minute misconduct right now. So yeah, it's they want a game. It's, they want a more... game. They want a league. They want a season suspension. <laughs> It's, 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 it's more, uh, it's more, you got handed a couple games than a 10 minute suspension, you know, (laughs) in my mind, but Hey, that's, that's me. Um, you know, it, it's, um, one of the, one of the, yeah, I, I don't know how to downplay this or, or not overstate it or whatever. One of the toughest things you face, you know, the one thing about Tamara, she's a woman and she's very soft spoken and, you know, and, and, and on and on and on. One of the things that when I look at you and, you know, if you just are an average citizen that is getting pumped full of everything, you're a white male 
who's a little scruffy and says what's on his mind. And saying that, I go back to like, that's what I thought when you're going to bust through the door and kick down and everything. And then you kind of meet and you're like, huh, that actually was not what I was built. You know, it's just another thing that, uh, you know, the, the way they pushed it. When it, when you walk through the door and everything else, I'm like, oh, that was that was not what I expected. But it, it you know, it works against you. And I and it works against me too. I, I'm I'm sitting here as a white guy too, you know, like uh certainly there's a lot of things going on in today's world that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um and saying that, you know, uh with November twenty seventh, you're 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 putting a little bit of a uh importance on the date that I'm gonna have to mark down so that uh we're paying attention because uh once again, no different than the Coots boys, uh for Canadian law, for Canadian you know, people you know, that want to stand up against the government for th- uh, things that continue to go on. Uh, these are really, really important dates to uh, to uh, to know. With all that being said, I actually want to come, uh, you know, with a little bit of time here left with uh, with this fundraiser. You know, uh, how, how excited are you to have a day or a weekend where some people can get together, share some laughs, some good times, you know, bull riding and everything else, uh, you know, and have people around you that uh, will put that on, Pat, and and try and support you through this time. Well, the communities really come together. The 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 people that are coming out to help with the events are are I, I'm actually having to turn people down now for the amount of support and help that we're getting. Unfortunately, I wish everybody could have a part in it and help and and be part of the volunteering. Um, the bands, the, the the amazing lineup of concert that we have, the talent that is has jumped to the plate and said, "Hey, we want to be a part of this." Uh, as I I would have never expected that. Uh, the corporate sponsorship finally, people are starting to talk out, you know, and and the corporations that have been losing all these money, all the money over the last few years, they're like, "No, we're starting to speak out. We're going to support you." Um, I'm excited to finally be able to go out and attend an event. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, this event is for fundraising purpose only, as well as this uh, podcast to help raise funds for my event that we're holding in September uh, 15th, 16th, and 17th, Broken Arrow Bulls and Bash. But the the amount of support that I've I've been getting from from everybody is 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 over the top. It's nice to see that I'm not forgotten. Um, it's nice to see that people are willing to still support uh, myself. Like you said, I, I just wanted to kind of step back to what you said of who I am and, and how people have painted me in this picture. I'm a father. I'm a father of two and a stepfather to two. Uh, my my stepchildren are of other ethnicities. There, I'm not a racist. I never have been. I've never been against any race, color, creed, religion. I've never been that. And people who actually take the time, get to know me, sit down and talk to me, they all see it. They all know who I am. I'm a big teddy bear. And, <laughs> and, I, and I, yeah, I'm tough. 100%. I'm Canadian. We're tough. Um, do, I, do I stand for no bullshit? Yeah, absolutely. I call a spade a spade. I, I tell you if you're being rude. I tell you if you're being, uh, you know, I, I'm just that kind of person because sometimes the truth hurts, but it has to happen. Sometimes you have to tell people the truth in order to fix things. Unfortunately, the truth hurts. I can't control that. If it hurt your feelings, I'll give you a hug. You know, I'd rather give you a hug than have to go through what I'm going through. But this event has shown me that the support is there. The people are still there. And I'm looking so forward 
to, to having this go down. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be awesome. Um, you mentioned band. Would we know any of the bands, or is it just a great group of people uh, that have come together? Well, um, we've got Electric Lady Land, uh, a, a lady by the name of Carmen Coe. She'll be performing Friday night. She's a local talent. Uh, she's on tour all across Western Canada. Um, she'll be Friday night's entertainment. We're going to hold the Friday night's entertainment, a meet and greet concert, and then everybody get their camping spots picked out and all that kind of stuff. And, and food vendors will be arriving and all that Saturday. Like I said, lined up with concerts. We've got Reed Salmon. He's an upcoming country artist. He sings a great tune called sweet home, Alberta, sweet home, Alberta, uh, which is an Alberta. If you hear that song, Sean, you're going to absolutely you, you'll know that this is why he's he's attending this event. <laughs> um, and Sean, right away, got up. I want to be a part of this 100%. I just locked down the headliner today. Um, they're sending me the contract. I'm keeping the headliner a little quiet Ooh, right now. You're going to tease it out. This is truly I, I a fundraiser, an advertisement now, folks. Yeah, <laughs> I want people to come to the event. I don't want you to just come to the concert. Do you know what I mean? I want you to come and have a good time. I want you to bring your family. I want you to bring your moms, dads, grandparents. I want you to come participate in the events. We've got bike rodeo events. We've got bull riding events. We've got barrel racing events. We've got kids events. We've got bouncy castles. Oh my gosh, the, the forbidden bouncy castles. <laughs> we've got the bouncy castles, you know. Uh, we, we, we couldn't get any saunas, but we definitely got a jacuzzi just to kind of, you know, Add a little bit of uh, pizzazz to it, if you know what I mean, if you're present in Ottawa. <laughs> so, um, the are you going to have, are you going to have a bunch of jerry cans so we can do the jerry can dance though? <laughs> that could be jerry cans. If you want to bring jerry cans, <laughs> bring jerry cans, bring whatever you want. Just bring yourself and bring your positive smiles and your good feedback and your, and your positive Canadian attitudes. And we're going to have one hell of a night. It's going to be awesome. One weekend. I wish I could pack more stuff in, but we're going to turn this into an annual event as well. So I've, I've opened up my own business. I've started my own business called Broken Arrow Productions, and uh, we're going to put this event on as an annual event. And I want it to be a fundraising event every year because I don't want to see anybody who is in my situation ever have to be online begging like a Jerry Lewis telethon trying to raise funds. I want to make sure that there is a, a, a society or a an organization that has funds available for people in my situation. I want to make sure that everybody's taken care of. And that's exactly who I am. I want to take care of my country. I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my friends. And, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to start to build this into an annual event. And, uh, and I'm hoping that everybody can attend on every year. Well, I tell you what, I know the answer to the final question here, but I'm going to get my plug in for Crude Master. Uh, it's the Crude Master final question, and it goes, uh, what's next for Pat, and how can we help? It's, it'll, it'll be another plug, I'm sure, for your upcoming event. Yeah, once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the way you can help is is uh, www.brokenarrowbullsandbash.com. Uh, get your tickets. We have uh, pay-it-forward tickets available as well. If you can't attend the event, you can also pay tickets, put it in the pay-it-forward account. We'll be holding a draw closer to the, to the date, and we'll be giving tickets out to people who you've paid it forward to. We'll put those tickets to good use. We'll get make sure that everybody get who can't attend but would love to attend and is in the area, they'll get free tickets. Um, as well as, uh, you know, the future holds. This court case is coming down. 
I need all the help I can get. I don't have big money backing. I don't have people like Rebel News supporting it and, and doing crowdfunding. I have to do this all on my own. So any support that you guys can help and, and uh, you know, $5 adds up, you can send it to natasha.calvino at gmail.com. She's personally in charge of all of the funds. Uh, she's making, uh, sending receipts back for them all as well. And then you can just help support in, uh, go to the real pack King on Facebook, jump in on the, on the evening podcasts and just lend your support in there as well, as well as we just branched off to Twitter to try and broaden our reach a little bit. And I'm at, uh, at capital T the underscore real pack King on Twitter. And, uh, you can catch all the all the advertisement for the events that are going to be there as well. We also have merchandise. Merchandise available at Justice for the Unjust on Facebook. We have uh, uh, sweaters, T-shirts, coffee mugs, things like that that you can purchase. And if you pay attention and, and you're on our podcast when I'm rolling, uh, we do live auctions. And right now we're putting out one-of-a-kind uh, autographed uh, canvases of these beautiful pictures of, of some 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 really nice uh some really nice pictures well i appreciate you giving me some time pat is there anything else you want to let the audience know before uh we let you off and and uh and obviously best of luck with your upcoming event and and the trial as well well uh, the the one thing i can say is remember ladies and gentlemen when you hear a rumor about somebody there's three rumors coming back about you. When somebody's pointing a finger at you, there's three fingers pointing back at you. If you have any discrepancies and issues and you think that you want to hear, you know, the truth and you want to get to know who I am, reach out to me. Talk to me. Meet me. You wouldn't be you would be absolutely blown away at the lies that have been said about me. It's not true what they're saying. I am a decent human being. I'm a decent Canadian and I love my country. There's nothing wrong with that. And there shouldn't be anything wrong with you saying my name. So don't be afraid to let my name uh, out of your mouth. Every now and then I hear people are too scared to even mention my name or be associated with my name. Um, quit being scared. Stand up for yourselves. Thank you, sir, for, for giving me some time today. And uh, best of luck with your upcoming event. Thank you very much, Sean. Once again, www.brokenarrowbullsandbash.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Today's episode has been brought to you by CalRock Industries. With new used and refurbished oil and gas equipment in stock, CalRock is your best bet when it comes to finding equipment that fits your needs, is within your budget, and is ready as soon as you need it. They can even custom manufacture tanks and other equipment for your specific application. They're located here in Lloydminster, but I'm sure they can serve you wherever you are at. All you got to do is go to calrock.ca for more information. I also want to remind people that Patreon, I uh, just started posting back on it. Uh, we're going to give her a go here for the next six months. So if you want to uh, go down in the show notes, you can click on that. Feel free to support. Don't support. It's behind a paywall. So uh, the money is coming back to the podcast. And we got a little behind the scenes uh, action happening there. So love to see and hear your guys' comments on that. Either way, we'll catch up to you on the next episode.